Can I ask you to stand one more time, bump elbows with your neighbor, let's have a word of prayer before we get into the word. Since we're not passing an offering, I always forget to, to pray for the offering. I, I guess it's a good thing because offering's still been coming in. So let me, let me just praise the Lord then for uh, what has been given. Father, we thank you this morning. So we come before you today, Lord, your goodness is your goodness is kind of like that experience that uh, Jonathan had in the wood. And uh, here Israel is fighting their enemies. And all of a sudden there's this, this honey. They're famished, they're weak, and there's this honey just dripping. And actually it says it was, it, the Hebrew says it was running along the ground after them. And Jonathan stuck in the, the end of his... Uh, Staff and he ate some, and his eyes were enlightened. And Lord, and he came back saying, "Oh, that that the entire nation would have this experience and that opportunity." Lord, we want to have that today. Your goodness is running after us. Lord, we want to partake of your goodness today, and then we want to run after your goodness, which is running after others. And Lord, that that is done partly before because of. The, the faithfulness and the generosity and the giving of your people. And that is also done because of our direct involvement in ministry. And Lord, for all of that, we need what we're going to look at today with the Holy Spirit of God. So Father, I pray you'd be with us now as we look into this together. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated in the Lord's presence. If you have your Bible, turn to the Gospel of John chapter 14. John 14, because last time we started a section of John's gospel where Jesus is talking to his disciples in an upper room, and we were allowed into this private boardroom where the apostles are meeting with Jesus in executive session. It is closed to the public, but open to us by way of God's word, and it takes us even closer today to the person of the Holy Spirit. Watch, John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And I think the disciples had a right to ask Jesus, look, you're telling us right now, you're leaving us. And if you're leaving, then when sin overtakes us, who's gonna help us out? And when we get rejected by the Jews and kicked out of the synagogue, who's going to help us out? And Jesus says, look, don't worry, because another advocate is on the way. And we looked at that name, Comforter, last time. And we saw how among all the things it means, it also means advocate. But I want you to look at another word today. Actually, the word another right there in that verse. Because John had two different words for another that he could have chosen. He could have chosen the Greek word heteros, which means another, but of a different kind. Okay, so it's it's an other, another. And, And it's someone totally different in nature. It is a stranger, but still a helper. That's another. But the word that John chooses means another of the same kind, a mirror thing, someone just like Jesus. So here's our thesis for today's study. 
when Jesus leaves and Jesus is God in the flesh, he sends in his place the Holy Spirit to be God in your flesh. Jesus says, look, I know you've been used to someone who is equal to the Father in essence, but in role, he is the Son. I know you've been used to someone who can take a can of tuna and some crackers and turn it into 5,000 fish sandwiches with fries. So guess what? I won't be here, but I'm going to send someone just like me. He will be a clone of me, but without a body. I mean, so much so that Paul calls him in Romans chapter 9, verse 8, and Peter calls him in Peter chapter 1, verse 11, the Spirit of Christ. So the Father sends the Spirit in the name of the Son. So now you can see, now you know. I mean, he's telling the disciples, now you know there are three partners to the firm. And you're seeing them in operation really for the first time. I mean, it was hard to pick up from the Old Testament, but you could not experience them like you can experience them now in this dispensation. So our first point for study is this. The Holy Spirit makes sure that the plan from the Father expressed by the Son is implemented through Scripture in your life as a child of God. And that is why in this dispensation... It is the word of God that does the work. But the work is only powerful when truth of God's word and the Holy Spirit are wedded together. So every member of the firm works with every other member of the firm, the Trinity, in harmony at all times. Only one time in history was that not true. And it was It was not true for our sake. In other words, this is the one exception that proves that rule. Normally, they all work in harmony. But you know, one time in history, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And because of the nature of his sacrificial redemption, the Son became sin for us. A split was created in the Godhead until your sin could be paid for, and the Father turned his back on the Son, even though both are God. I mean, riddle me that. A crack was created in the Trinity so that you could be hidden in the cleft of that rock. But hold on one second, because this triad of the firm is also a paradigm for how the church works. So we have pastors responsible under God for vision and direction. We have deacons and ministry heads and disciples and counselors and class leaders, and they're responsible for expression and declaration down through the ranks into the life of the church of that vision and direction. And then we have you. And every member is responsible to implement God's vision and direction in the outside world. Now, here's what that means, and it's our second point for study. You are responsible for the expression and declaration of God's mission of making disciples in the arena where he has put you. But now hold on one second, because that is not the only paradigm. This, is, this pattern is for 
because the Trinity is operating through all of society where men and women are equal and yet each one has different rank and role as God places them in a family. And so you have a father who, who is husband in the home and he's responsible for vision and direction of the family. Now, I don't know if he's good at that or bad at that. I mean, that's why the church exists. That's why we do discipleship. That's why we have a men's ministry to make them better at that. And I understand there are even pastors who are not good at doing what they are responsible to do in the churches that they have. But, but that part's not God's fault. That's our fault. God's, God, what God does is sets the responsibility. And then you have the wife and the mother who, along with whatever she may do in a job or in the community, is also to express and declare and communicate that vision within the home. And then you have the children who are to make sure that it is implemented across generations. So this is our third point for study. If the Holy Spirit is not at work in this world through your life, then the church does not work. The family will not work. Therefore, that is why our society does not work. Our community does not work. Our city does not work. Our country does not work. So just so we are clear, nothing God says in his word can be implemented, at least not for long, Uh, if you are relying solely on the power of the flesh. So the way to ensure that you are not operating in the flesh is to simply do what Mark Trotter, you know, often preached probably every, almost every time he preached here, he would say the solution is walk in the spirit. Because if you will walk in the spirit, then the spirit cancels out the flesh every time. I don't care how big your Bible is or how heavy the cross around your neck. You have to be in touch with the Holy Spirit in order for God's word to work for you. So verse 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, meaning by my authority, meaning in my place, and therefore he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now that assumes that God has said something to you and you have it and have access to it and you've actually read it and listened to it. So that assumes that you have an authoritative Bible to work with and work from. Because if you do not possess the certainty of the words of truth, then your skepticism short circuits a faith-based view of life. And the Spirit of God can't do anything and bring anything to your remembrance because you've not encountered it as the authority in your mentality. Ministry runs on the rails of relationships. So, here's, let me hit you with this definition. Holiness is simply a relationship with God which is accomplishing ministry for God. So holiness is not sinlessness per se, Holiness is your set-apartness, doing something for God in ministry, accomplishing something for Him, your relationship with God, working in wider society. So a lot of us know how to study our Bible, but do we know how to relate to the Holy Spirit? 
Let me, let me begin to answer that question by having you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. This is on the back side of your handout sheet, I think, or in, in, inside maybe. Romans 8, verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also help, helpeth our infirmities. Well, what infirmity do we have? Well, here's a, here's a big one. We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Holy Spirit is touched with our infirmities, therefore he helps us, and he helps us because the Holy Spirit has feelings. He has empathy, and he has feelings. And we saw this last Sunday from Ephesians 4, verse 30, where it said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Do not distress him. Do not cause him to be sad, because he does have feelings. Now, not only does the Holy Spirit have emotion or feelings, he also has intellect. Back in John 14, at verse 26, it says, he shall teach you all things. He has intellect. He will bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So the Holy Spirit explains God's truth to your spiritual understanding. And that is true even if your natural understanding is still mystified. How does God create a crack in the Trinity? Just big enough to hide me in and get me saved. You know, I can't understand that on a natural level. But I I know spiritually, I know what God says. I know what God's word says and it's true. So I accept it on the the level of spiritual understanding. So the Holy Spirit takes Christ's mind and helps you comprehend it in your mind so that, and this is our fourth point for study, the mind melder between the Word of God and the child of God is the Spirit of God. But not only does he teach, he also calls things to your remembrance that have been taught. Now I think this is critical, so follow me, because in a good year, I don't, we haven't had a good year for a couple of years, have we? I mean, we had one year that was just kind of totally erased. I don't know if we've had a good year for a couple of years, but in a good year, you might hear 52 sermons from being here 52 Sundays in a year. But you don't remember it all. As a matter of fact, I will wager that you're like me, and for most of us, we don't remember on Friday what was preached on Sunday. I preached it. I don't remember on Friday what I preached. It's like, what, what was I preaching on last Sunday? Okay, so, so we, need, we all need our booster shot on uh, Sunday. Our spirit, we need our spiritual booster, and to get the antibody to go against the body, we've got a body of flesh, but there is an antibody we've got to live by in the spirit. And so we, go, we need that every week. That's why Word of God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And it doesn't, you know what? It doesn't matter how many notes you take. You don't remember at all, which is why you need to take notes so you can refer back to it. And you know, you might remember a point that was made or a story that was told or a thought, but you never remember all the things you need to remember because it's just too much. And you know what? That is okay. And you ought to learn and you ought to even memorize scripture. But even after you've done all that, you will not always know how to recall what you need when you need it. 
but the Holy Spirit will. And because he has intellect, he takes it upon himself to be your computer processor. So once you get it entered into memory, all he's got to do is double click. And, and it'll show up back on the screen just like it had been stored. Now watch, I want you to watch this. I think this is very important. Psalm 119 on your handout, verses 10 to 12. With my whole heart have I, and there are three things in these three verses, sought thee, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. So the only way you can keep from wandering is by seeking. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. So seek, hide, and learn. So it's not a game, but it is hide and seek. And you are to seek and then hide it because that is how you learn it. Now watch, two more things are added in verses 98 to 100. Psalm 119, verse 98. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they, thy commandments, are ever with me. And it doesn't matter that with my enemies there are wheels within wheels, and I don't even know everything that's going on. That doesn't matter, because your commandments are with me always, therefore they adjust the wisdom I need for the moment I need it, so I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. Adam didn't. He's about as ancient as you can get. So, so add in, meditate, and keep. There are five things right there, and once the Spirit teaches you Scripture... He puts it into memory on the hard drive of your brain circuits, your neurons. And once your mental processor has engaged the word, then it is stored at least at that level. And it may not be stored to your instant recall, but it's stored to the Holy Spirit's recall. So if you are living an obedient life and you're walking in the Spirit and you run into a situation where the Spirit needs to be your comforter, he double-clicks. And the right verse is recalled, the right principle is recalled to the screen, and in order for you to mess up now, you got to shut the machine off. In order for you to mess up, after you have sought, hidden, learned, meditated, and kept, you got to turn off the machine. Because once it has been put in, if you are living an obedient life, then the Holy Spirit can bring scriptural truth to your remembrance even if you do not have it memorized. Okay, wait, don't believe me, just watch. Because this is exactly how God inspired the Bible in the first place. Because in inspiration, and this is our fifth point for study, the Holy Spirit brought events and words to the human writer's remembrance, the scribe's remembrance, so that, he could, so that he could accurately put down what had accurately been spoken, which is what God wanted written down. And so now inspiration was a Holy Spirit job. But it is also his job to use the Bible that we read, hear preached, and meditate on Because at that point, Christ's mind is integrated into our mind. And yet there is a can't conspiracy 
which kills most believers. Well, I can't stop my immorality. I was born that way. I can't stop doing that or start doing this because I was raised that way. I was abused as a child. I can't. And you know what? You're right. No one can live the Christian life themselves. And you can do a lot of things. Yourself being spiritual ain't one of them. I'm just saying. So the question is not, can you? The question is, will you let him? Will you let him? If you allow the Holy Spirit as a person to use his emotion to become your comforter and then use his intellect to become your advocate, then yes, you can. When used to, you couldn't. The Holy Spirit was not sent so that you could live life yourself. If you could live life yourself, we would not need a comforter. So what you need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit that you have as a result of getting saved. Why? Because he has the power. So let's get jiggy with it. Let's show you the purpose of the operation of the Holy Spirit in your life. Turn to chapter 16, John chapter 16. I'm going to lay out five things. They are key. They are critical. They are essential to walking in the Spirit. As a Bible believer, each element is important. And while they are not in a sequential order, uh, they each have to go into the mix. First off, I need you to know, and this is number one, you, don't, you do not need more power or new power. You just have to engage the right person. When you engage the right person, well, then you have the victory. Why? Because the power is already in the Holy Spirit who is in you if you are born again. And I know you say that you believe the Bible, but just watch. John chapter 16, verse 5. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, that it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Um, I will send him unto you and into you. He will dwell with you. You know, the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament. He operated in the Old Testament. And sometimes he would come in people and sometimes he would come on people, but he never indwelt people. And that would not come until after Jesus went back to send him. So Jesus says we would be better off if he himself were not here. It is to our advantage for him to go, and that doesn't sound right. I mean, how could it be better to have an invisible spirit instead of a visible Savior? Simple. It's simple once you just know his purpose. So Jesus voluntarily limited the expression of his deity to his humanity. In other words, all of his godness was enshrouded in his humanness. So even though he was God, he could still only be in one place at a time. He himself chose to limit himself by taking on a human form like ours. Now he appeared in various forms in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord so he was always who he was. He was always God manifested. But now he has put on humanity in a sinless form. 
And yet, if all we ever had was Jesus, he could never be in your heart the same time he was in my heart. As a matter of fact, he couldn't be inside any of our hearts at all because he wouldn't fit. So, so, but now he can watch Ephesians 3 verse 17 on your handout, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So he could not have done that had he stayed, because the way he does that now is through the Holy Ghost. So that's why we need the Holy Spirit. God is everywhere at once. Jesus is God with skin on. So what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit's operation exactly? Well, this is number two. The Holy Spirit is not God everywhere at once. He is God equally distributed to all who are believers. And this biblical understanding of the interrelationship of the Trinity explains why Jesus said that if all we had was him, we would still be in trouble. Jesus is God in one place at a time, but we need God equally distributed to all of us. Now I want you to think about the exact word that the James gang chose in this context. Because when you feel sick and you have chills and you want to sleep well, what does mama throw over you? A comforter. I mean, we even have weighted comforters today. And that is how we are covered so completely when Jesus goes away. So based on King James Bible doctrine, what is the purpose of his operation exactly? Well, this is number three. The Holy Spirit gives us the availability of the Godhead in the most intimate relationship possible so that no Christian any place is any worse off than any Christian anywhere else. And you are no worse off than me if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are no worse off than the Apostle Paul as long as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. That is exactly what an indwelling Holy Spirit does for you. But you better wait a minute before you say amen, because this is point number six. This is what that means. It means you cannot complain that you do not have everything that you need in this life to accomplish God's mission. You simply cannot have that complaint at the judgment seat of Christ. Because here is the Spirit's primary purpose. Look at John 16, verse 14. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and show it unto you. He, the Holy Spirit wants to glorify God. So he starts with the word of God, which God says he has magnified above all his name. Psalm 138 verse 2. Then he gives you every internal incentive to learn and to know God's word and obey God's word and get involved in ministering God's word to the lost through evangelism, to the saved through discipleship. And for this purpose, says Jesus, the Father gives everything to the Son. Then the Holy Spirit comes and takes and he distributes everything that you need. And, and, And that means in this dispensation... The Holy Spirit is Jesus' delivery service. He is UPS, United Personal Spirit. 
And so based on King James Bible doctrine, what is the purpose of his delivery service exactly? Well, this is number four. The Spirit's job is to take what the Father has given to the Son and make sure that we get all of it for use. But now hold on one second before you say amen. Because that means our job is to disseminate it. And when you understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit, you have found the purpose for your life. I know that goes cross-grain and counterculture. I know that every book in the self-help book section, I know all the self-help type speakers, I know most all of the counseling and therapy that you get would say that you need to find your own personal purpose by looking inside of you at yourself. And, you know, that's not what it is. You will not know the purpose for your life until you understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And that explains a whole lot right there. Because we say we're a bunch of Bible believers, and then we let Satan distract us to other stuff, so we never get down to the key Bible doctrine that empowers us to evangelize and implement and edify with what we know. So all I'm trying to ask is, Based on King James Bible doctrine, what is the purpose of his operation exactly? This is number five. Your purpose in life, now that you have discovered it, is to glorify Jesus Christ by disseminating what the Holy Spirit discloses and distributes to you through discipleship. So you're given things through discipleship, those things you distribute by discipling. And that will include two things, absolute truth and spiritual fruit. So anytime the Holy Spirit gets more intention in a church than the person and the life of the incarnate word and the written word, then, then we're in trouble. God heals today. I believe God heals. I know God heals. But God does not heal people or perform miracles to glorify you or even to glorify himself. He always and ever only did those things to confirm God's word. But what he is all about now is glorifying Christ by disclosing to others sound doctrine and saved practice, which is what Christ wants us to have. I mean, he wants you to have the orthopraxy that goes along with orthodoxy. And I know you think I spoke in tongues right there. I can just see the YouTube videos you know, going out. Baptist pastor in Blue Springs speaks in tongues for the first time. And so let me get real with you about what the Holy Ghost is about. Find his purpose and you can fulfill your plan, the plan God has for your life. He is the key to glorifying the written word and the incarnate word, not glorifying himself. So our final point for study This is number seven. If you focus your attention on the comforter instead of the Christ, he gets uncomfortable. You have discomfited the comforter. As a matter of fact, John writes in his epistle in 1 John chapter 4, and he says in verses 2 and 3, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. 
Okay, we've heard the Antichrist is going to come. His spirit is already here. And that spirit in the world does two things. It either says Christ is not God in the flesh, or it says the Bible is not God's word to you. So any spirit which detracts from Jesus as the incarnate word, or from your Bible as the certainty of the words of truth, is not a Holy Spirit. I'm just saying. The key to salvation is Christ, but the Holy Spirit is so amazing. You know, he even uses corruptible, corrupted Bibles, incomplete Bibles, to bring people to faith in Jesus. And praise the Lord, he even uses incomplete Christians. The sad thing is, if that person that gets saved does not have a faith-based view of their Bible after that, well, then their discipleship is stunted and his power is rescinded. Turn to chapter 15 and let's end there. John chapter 15. Anything that lessens the attention on the person of Jesus or the authority of the Bible, no matter how nice it makes you feel, no matter how excited you get, it is not the Holy Spirit. So let me sign off with this, verse 26, John 15. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye've been with me from the beginning. Now the apostles had been with him, more or less, most of them, from the beginning of his ministry. But, but we've been with him ever since the beginning of when we got saved. So we've also been with him from the beginning. So the purpose of the Spirit is to witness, but you've got to witness with him. So it is you and the Spirit, it is not you or the Spirit. I mean, watch Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what will happen? Ye shall be witnesses unto me. I mean, that's the key thing. I mean, it's not the miracles and healing, deliverance, all all that's great, but that's not the key thing. And that's why this is such a key doctrine for our fellowship right now, something we really need to understand together. Because anyone who is walking in the Spirit is going to have opportunities for Jesus. And I understand even at that moment, they may accuse you of being somehow spiritual harassment in the workplace but you'll have opportunities for Jesus. The problem is most Americans want religion, but they do not want a controlling biblical authority. They do not want a controlling spiritual authority other than themselves. Now, let me explain. Let me explain. Let me, let me justify that statement. Let me illustrate that irrefutable idea. So this next Tuesday, City Council Blue Springs is going to have a city council meeting to decide whether or not they will allow the high school to uh, pave over Ashton, uh, the road in between us, and turn that into a parking lot for the school. I don't know if that's good or bad. We're happy, you know, if you email us, we'll take your um, concerns or uh, a comments to them, I think, I think, I think I'll, you know, we will have to show, kind of show up at that because they've done no traffic study. So I don't know what it means. There's no traffic study of Ashton. I, I have no idea how it affects things totally. But in order to do that, they're going to put a roundabout, roundabout at the school so that you cannot cut through the parking lot 
you can drop the freshman center will be built over there. You can drop kids off and you'll go roundabout. But they'll also put two roundabouts on the south outer road, one at 19th Street, one at 22nd Street. Now, here's what I know about roundabouts from the one that's just right on Woods Chapel. When I go up to the roundabout, there is a yield sign. And that yield sign means that sometimes, depending on circumstances, I got to stop. I don't like stopping. I don't want to stop. I want to go straight through. I don't even want to have to curve around the thing. I just want to go straight through. But sometimes, under certain circumstances, yield means I got to stop. That is why we don't walk in the Spirit. That right there is exactly why we have the problems we have. We don't want to yield to the Spirit. And sometimes that means stop. But if you fail to let the Holy Spirit fulfill his purpose, then he is grieved. I wonder, is Jesus being glorified? Is he being manifested? Is he being seen? Is he being confirmed supernaturally in your life? The purpose of the Spirit is to put you in a no-comparison category. Because the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus and therefore him sending the Spirit into your life means that he is the incomparable Christ. Muhammad, you died. There is not one Muslim talking today about how you appeared to them. Buddha, you died, man. There is not one single one of your followers talking about how you came in direct contact with them. But you know what? As soon as Jesus rose from the dead, he called a meeting on the mountain and he invited 500 people and he set the Facebook post to public because he wanted every one of his disciples to watch him return to his father and know the only way a man or woman is made right with God is through a risen Lord Jesus at the right hand of God who has sent the Holy Spirit back to save you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The Holy Spirit teaches you that Jesus plus anything equals nothing. I mean, it's either all or nothing Jesus. But Jesus plus his spirit equals everything. So it's not Jesus and your baptism that saves you. It's not Jesus and your church. It's not Jesus and the mass. It's not Jesus and membership. It is whether or not you are giving Jesus controlling authority in your life. And you do that by trusting in his finished work to save you. And then, and then you start trusting in his finished Bible to make you grow. You say, well, Alan, if there really was a God, wouldn't he make sure everybody gets saved and nobody goes to hell? No, he would make a way for everyone to get saved. And then he would make sure that every soul gets enough light to be responded to. But he would not force your response because he's God. And my God is so great, he can make a rock so big he can't move it and still be God. So the question from the pulpit today is, what will you do with the message the Holy Spirit has expressed this morning and exposed to your your mind, to your knowledge, to your information? What have you done with Jesus? Do you even have the Spirit, bro? Has God put you in Christ and his Holy Spirit in you?
And all you need to do to receive new life is pray. I mean, God's grace is free because Jesus' work on the cross is finished. So all you have to do is pray. Just pray and say something like, God, save me today for Jesus' sake. I trust Jesus today for eternal life. Here, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you do that today, if you pray that today, will you come up here to the front and will you let us know so we can thank God with you together? I just want to take one more minute and give you something that will tell you how to grow in your faith and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ.